What? I was just like, oh, my. <laughs> it's just my body. <laughs> Welcome to SVU Pod, especially heinous. I'm Gabe. I'm Tasha. We're on season five, episode 11, Escape. This is a fucking kick-ass episode. Dude, I watched it early, and when you texted me last night and you were like, dude, this episode is so fucking good, I'm like, I need to rewatch it. Because I was like, I forgot what it was. I went to rewatch it, and I saw the title, and I was like, oh, no, never mind. I remember it just all came back. It like flooded into my mind. I'm jazzed. I called it super early on, too. Mm. Okay. So the opening scene... There's a prisoner. He's being walked down the aisle or whatever to his cell by a guard. He's talking shit to the officer. He's like, oh, you know who I am? The guy's like, yeah, you're innocent, I'm guessing. They both kind of hear some muffled screaming, and the guard is like, what in the heck? And (laughs) just like that, he was like, what in the goddamn heck? And he puts his hands on his hips. He's like, Barney, I got to go check this out quick. (laughs) The guy's like, hey, my Galdern handcuffs. You forgot to uncuff them. Anyways. Hey, copper, you got to undo my handcuffs. I got rights. He's like, quiet, you. Um. <laughs> Get in your cell. I clink, clink, clink. Yeah, I was just going to say clinker. <laughs> clink, clink, clink. They have big white shoes and big white gloves. <laughs> he Charleston's over to the noises he hears. Okay. He looks around and figures out where the noise is coming from, and he goes in the cell, and he finds another guard underneath the bunk bed. Mm -hmm. He's tied and gagged, and he's in his undies. He's been stripped of his uniform. His face is bruised. He says two prisoners, Gamble and Baxter, jumped him and escaped. The other guard's on the radio, and he's like, lock it down, officer, escape prisoners, blah, blah, blah. So we're off to an intense start, and I'm here for it. So we're still in the prison. The case is being viewed by two U.S. Marshals. This jail is in Virginia, by the way yes so we're like why is svu involved in this okay well we'll get there chill out (laughs) relax god damn doing my fucking best here you guys pull over so (laughs) can't pull over any farther (laughs) take some goddamn deep breaths so dion gamble aka double d is in prison for drug charges and michael baxter is in prison for raping a child Mm. they showed their photos so i was like well i gotta find out who these guys are i mean because gamble looked super familiar double d we're just gonna Mm -hmm. call him double d he's omar from the fucking wire uh i never saw that show oh it's like a huge deal but he does he i've seen him in things i just he's in a hundred other things he's always top build whatever in everything that he's in and Baxter, this dude plays the bad guy Colonel in Avatar. That's the only thing I that's know him who from. he that's what he yes. I was like I just rewatched that. Mm-hmm. Very fucking racist, by the way. Yes. Very very fucking hot take. A hot take. Okay. Yeah. I remember loving it when it came out. That was just like well, me too. And then I I I rewatched it and I was like. Ooh, Jesus. Oof. And then like Googled some shit. Just and I was like, heavy you know. white savior bullshit going on. Yeah. And <laughs> crazy cultural appropriate. That's just wild. Yeah. So they're the two prisoners who escaped. Okay. Mm-hmm. Baxter wore the uniform and pretended to be escorting Double D out of the prison. One of the U.S. Marshals makes a poke about the guards being fucking idiots. They found out that one inmate told the prison staff that he heard Baxter telling people that he was going to New York City to, quote, tie up some loose ends. His ex-girlfriend lives there, and the kid that Baxter raped is her son. Oof. Yep. So this is why SVU is involved. At the precinct, Stabler and Benson are getting ready for court. Craigan brings in one of the U.S. Marshals investigating the prison escape, the other guy. Andy mm. Eckerson. Stabler and Benson know him? We know this because Benson's like, Andy? And says it in that kind of way. Yeah. And then Stabler shakes his hand and he's like, oh my god, hi. Eckerson tells him about Baxter and why he's going to New York. Probably to hurt his ex's son that he raped 10 years ago. Lee Healy? Mm. Lee's testimony is what got Baxter in prison. He's probably going to find Lee and get payback. I need to pause for a second. Okay, so the dude, Eckerson, he played Mm -hmm. Chet Wilton on the show Unreal. He was the executive producer of Everlasting. If you watch that show or if you're into that kind of shit, it was such a great fucking show. I don't know what that that is. Another thing about this guy that I noticed it later, but I'm bringing it up now because I just thought about it. So he's got the intentional late 90s messy hairdo. I just imagined he was wearing a wig 
And then the joke was, as the show went on, they changed it out for a bigger and messier yeah. wig. It just kept getting worse, where like it was the only thing aliens. I could see. It was the only thing on screen. <laughs> Eventually, he was that... I noticed that, too. That giant, hairy monster in the Bugs Bunny cartoons that, like, remember Bugs Bunny gave a haircut to one time? Yeah. He's red, and he's just, like, a pair of eyes and white gloves and a fucking hair. <laughs> he's that guy. <laughs> It was very distracting. It was kind of. So Eckerson can't find any listings for Lee and his mom, Karen. He thinks they changed their last names. Cragen sends Eckerson and Benson to go check for some fax W-2 shit on Karen. Stabler takes off to leave for court, but before he leaves, Cragen's like, how do you guys know Eckerson? And Stabler's like, oh yeah, he used to be NYPD before he went federal. Oh yeah, and he used to date Benson. At Karen's work, which is like a design studio, whatever, there's textiles and shit running all over the place. Eckerson and Benson walk and talk to go talk to Karen. Benny tells him to follow her lead, shut up, and let her run this interview with Karen. And he's mm-hmm. like, hey, I'm good at stuff. She flops her fucking Johnson out and asks <laughs> if he wants the help from SVU or did he come back for another reason? Wink, mm-hmm. hair flip. Her confidence is unmatched. Like, she knows. Mm-hmm. So they head to where Karen is. She's draping fabrics on a dress form when they ask her to chat alone. And she's like, you know, you can talk to me in front of my nephew, Jeremy. Ew. Jeremy is played by Chris Kattan in a Kato Kalen wig. He's My <laughs> God. That is so perfect. I was going to say like a fish. Some sort of fish <laughs> in a wig. But Yes. Okay, also, this is what Jeremy Wolf looks like to me, and my mind won't ever be changed. Okay. The actor's real name is Jack Noseworthy. Ew. Oh, <laughs> yes. God. It sounds like a fucking character on Family Guy, and his <laughs> yes. features are not what they <laughs> yeah. currently are. Right. Some iconic roles that he's had include Joe Dice in SFW. Did you see SFW? Uh, forever ago. Yeah. It's been, yeah. I mean, they're, old, they're older movies, the ones that I'm just like, holy shit. Taylor in Encino Man. Congrats to Brendan Fraser on his Oscar. Yeah. Another thing Jack mm, Ding Ding Noseworthy was in, he was Charlie in Barbed Wire <laughs> with Pam Anderson. Oh, my God. He was Rodney in Cecil B. Demented. He's just been in a bunch of cool shit, okay? God, I haven't seen Cecil B. Demented in forever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Jeremy is there with his Auntie Karen, definitely not talking about the gal he finger-banged during Pirate Night on the Disney <laughs> Magic. <laughs> Sorry. Not, not Jeremy Wolf. I really thought that was a good joke. It was. It <laughs> is good. I just it's got a really little, good. I got a little throat laugh, but I'm like finger bang during pirate night on the Disney magic. I made up that whole event. It's not even an event. <laughs> I looked I up the good. names of the boats. <laughs> oh my God. I love that. that you did that. <laughs> Stupid. It's not you. It's my brain. I'm so tired. I know. I'll put it in in post. Thanks. <laughs> Benny and Eckerson tell Karen she'll need to stay home until Baxter's caught. They'll post officers outside of her home for the time being. Karen gives them her son's address. He'd recently moved out and gotten a place with his girlfriend. Jeremy asks them if they think Baxter's going to try and go after the son. They can't be too careful, honey. Karen's actually concerned Mm -hmm. Baxter's going to go after Danny. Who? Her youngest son, Danny. Yep. She was pregnant when Baxter was arrested, and Baxter is Danny's father. (gasps) This just got real fucking kindergarten cop you guys yep crisp (laughs) not so tough without your car are you she was a feminist icon his uh partner yes yeah karen and benson go look for danny outside of his school while eckerson is on a phone call karen's all panicky and finds danny playing baseball she tells him to get his things so they can go home she's at a 10 and he's like jeez mom what's going on and she's like nothing everything's fine why would you think anything else do as i say daniel (laughs) yeah go 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 and he's like i but she's like nothing eckerson gets off the phone and lets them know that fugitive details on their way to lee's apartment This is where I start commenting on his fucking hair. I'm like, his intentionally messy hair makes me irrationally irritated. (laughs) Karen says Baxter may go to his mom's house, Sheila. The two are still pretty close. Karen also Mm. tells them that Grandma Sheila has Lee's address because she wanted to send him a birthday card the month before. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Again, that's also very kindergarten cop. (gasps) Right? 
I don't remember that movie much. Oh my god. So the bad guy's mom <laughs> is his like partner who's trying to get him to be able to kidnap his son and she's like along for the ride she's with him. I don't remember. Mm. It's been so long. Well, I watch it every week and a half, so I'm pretty up to date. <laughs> We've got to move on because we got to go meet Lee Healy, okay? <laughs> We okay. go to his apartment. Oh my fucking God. Everybody is in this episode, dude. Lee mm -hmm. is played by Milo Ventimiglia. He's from Heroes. He's from This mm -hmm. Is Us. Everybody knows who he is based on these things, but his most important role of his entire life was as Rocky Balboa Jr. in the 2006 Rocky Balboa movie. He was on the receiving end of one of the most amazing speeches Rocky ever gave that drug me out of the pits of despair. <laughs> He is a perfect cast for Rocky's son. He is. Do you know he got the role? Because of his mouth. He got the role partially because he talks out of the one side of his mouth like Stallone does, but he does it naturally. Uh -huh. When Stallone met him, he thought he was doing an impression of him. And he's like, no, this is how I talk. And he's like, you are my adult son. And it's a great scene, too. Like, it's acted brilliantly. And if I looked at it through a different lens, it's probably not acted as brilliantly as I see it. But, mm. Huh. Fucking modern art. Lee and his girlfriend are offered. An <laughs> sorry. All right. I'm sorry. You're like, I'm tired. Let's get through this. And I'm like, I haven't talked to you enough this week. <laughs> Lee and his girlfriend are offered an officer to stay outside their apartment or for them to go stay in a hotel. And Lee doesn't like either option. And he's just like, I'm going to work. He tells them that a day goes by that he doesn't think about what that fuck did to him. Lee changed his name. He has an unlisted number. He thought he did everything to stay in the wind. Lee says he doesn't think Sheila would help that pervert find him. Mm. She knows what Baxter did to Lee when he was a kid. But Lee's girlfriend suggests that Sheila may want to see Baxter before it's too late. Sheila is dying of cancer. Mm. Okay, so now Benson and Eckerson are at Sheila's house. It's that one lady that we know and love, and I can't think of anything she's been in. From fucking Lost. She's been in a ton of things. Oh, I know yeah. her from Lost. What else was she in? I don't know. I was like <sighs> deep diving too hard, and it's six minutes into the episode, so I'm like, she's from Lost. Moving on. Okay. Sorry, Sheila. She heard about the escape on the radio, but she hasn't talked to her son. She says they haven't spoken in months. They ask her if she remembers him talking about escaping or anything. And she's like, not that I remember. And I'm like, what? What, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> not that I remember. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then Eckerson makes some little comment about having conversations that didn't make sense then, but make some sense now. Kind of side eyes Benson. And I'm like, what happened in their relationship? I have to know everything. Mm. Sheila doesn't like what he's insinuating. She says she'll always love her son, but he destroyed Lee's life and he should be in jail for what he did. So Sheila hasn't told Baxter she's sick. Benson tells her that she has to report him if he contacts her. And she's like, I totally know that. Then Eckerson gets all sassy out of nowhere and says that he knows she won't report it because she'd do anything to see Baxter one last time before she dies. He says that. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I'll fucking arrest you. Sick or not, lady. Benson and Eckerson leave the house. Benson's like, Jesus, why don't you just fucking slap her around, you fucking asshole? Yeah. <laughs> he thinks Sheila's fucking with them and she knows more than she's putting on. Mm -hmm. Benson says, wow, you're more cynical than I remember. And he says, why? Because I chase criminals and you babysit victims. And I'm like, fucking Jesus with this guy. Yeah. Benson says, even when you were a detective, it was never about the victims. It was always about the rush for you. And his hair is like, whoosh. <laughs> he says, <laughs> his hair is like, me too. Whoosh. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you don't understand. I have to go as fast as my hair is going or it'll fall out. I don't know what to do. It's like, it's like that movie with the bus. <laughs> it's like that movie with the bus. <laughs> Speed. Speed. <laughs> then he says to her, you liked it when you first met me. And Benson says, yeah, till I realized you'd be put in a body bag. Like that was some kind of sick burn or something. Sorry, Benson. <laughs> Ackerson gets a call. The other inmate from the escape plan, whatever, Double D, he was spotted in the city. <gasps> Benson and Eckerson are doing a follow-up on that Double D sighting. They're talking to a flower shop worker. He says he saw Gamble walking away with, quote, some ugly white chick. The lady had dark hair and was kind of tall. Then he's like, so how much do I get? And Benson's like, we don't, we don't do that. We're not fucking offering a reward. He's bummed. <laughs> Benson and Eckerson kind of don't believe him, but dude's like, whatever, I saw what I saw. I don't care. I'm not getting any money anyway. So like, whatever. In the precinct, they're going over the case. A bunch of cops from different agencies are there. It's a packed room. Baxter and Double D 
were picked up outside of Richmond by a trucker that took them to the outlet mall in New Jersey by the Holland Tunnel. Benson says that they're probably on their way to get Lee. And then fucking Eckerson says, quote, women. And like looks around at all the other guys. <laughs> it's fucking stupid. And they're like, yeah, I hate my wife. Or whatever. <laughs> it's like, women, you think with your head. These guys are thinking with their peckers. He legit says peckers. The first thing they're going to do is get a drink and a piece of ass. Nobody checks him or anything. Nobody's like, don't fucking talk to her like that. Nobody says yeah. anything. Because fuck women, right? Nobody's like, sit down, wig. (laughs) (laughs) So Kragen kind of thinks that maybe the guy at the flower shop did see Gamble and he could have been with a sex worker. They're going to check out every rat hole and every, quote, hooker stroll. Mm. Benson gets a page? In 2003? (laughs) If she has a cell phone, I don't know, whatever. A 911 call came in from Lee's girlfriend. Detectives respond to Lee's apartment. So at Lee's apartment. Hold on. I just want to say, like, five minutes ago... half an hour ago they told them that they had all these cops watching every them and everything's fine and mm-hmm. they can't they can't keep anybody safe ever i like just can't even no but go ahead this is um they need Classic. to come up with a new thing at lee's apartment his girlfriend says that she told him to stay home but he didn't want to miss some big work meeting but then his job called her and said he never showed up so mm-hmm. this fucking dummy cop that had been stationed outside their building was like i didn't see him leave the premises so <laughs> I did see a white female leaving a tan Honda that matches the description of Lee's car, though. Okay. They head down to the parking garage. Benny Eckerson, the useless stakeout cop, and Lee's girlfriend find that Lee's car is missing. Mm -hmm. Benson finds fresh blood in the parking spot. Mm-hmm. And Lee's jacket is laying on the ground nearby. So then the officer tells them about the woman that was driving Lee's car. White female, dark hair, glasses, kind of butch. <laughs> Eckerson said, Bodega Boy didn't see Double D with a sex worker. It was Baxter in drag. Speaking of drag, I have a little bit of a acknowledgement. Please keep yourself informed and aware of what you can do to help and how to vote as these wild-ass lawmakers with way Dude. too much time on their hands attempt to restore strict and banned public drag shows and pull other anti-LGBTQ antics across the entire fucking country. It is ridiculous what is being fucking focused on right now. It's It's wild. It's It's, it's fucking ridiculous. It's stupid. And it's just to oppress a group of people that they find. It all boils down to fucking people's hate for trans people. Yep. Because that's what whatever. And nobody's pissed when fucking it's it's the openly queer people in drag that is the problem. Yeah. That's the problem is it's just queer people it's just gay people Uh that's it you know it's just gay people and trans people and fucking anyway keep yourself informed and vote accordingly back at the precinct they are whiteboarding and going over case shit craig and thinks lee could already be dead benson doesn't think so and the marshals are searching around lee's apartment she thinks if baxter was trying to kill lee he'd have left his body in the parking garage that tiny itty bitty little really noticeable by an expert detective spot of blood in the parking lot was lee's and Baxter hasn't shown up at his mom's or tried to contact her. Cragen wonders if Baxter's going to try and connect with Double D again. They've got cops canvassing where Double D was last seen hanging out. As far as they know, Baxter doesn't have any local contacts, but they're going to check the prison phone records to see if they can find anything. Oh, Lee's mom shows up. She's got her youngest son and her nephew, Jeremy. I've never been on a cruise in my life. Wolf. <laughs> Baxter had called their house and her youngest son, Danny, answered. Now Danny's mad at her that she told him his dad was dead. When she grabbed the phone from Danny, Baxter was on the other end and he told her he had Lee and they needed to fucking talk. They were going someplace Mm -hmm. safe and she shouldn't worry. Gee, thanks, convicted sex offender with my injured, abducted son that you assaulted. No worries here. Then he just hung up on her. God. Benson wants Karen to go back to her house so they can track the call if he calls her again. Just then Toots comes in. He got a call with a lead to double D's location in my bra. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Now Benson and Eckerson are at the Lydia Hotel. Um, They're talking to the hotel counter lady who literally cares about nothing. (laughs) They make sure the exits are secured and backup is in place. SWAT busts down the door. Double D is in bed with the woman. She's on top of him. And he says, easy, man. I don't have a gun. And she's like, you ain't kidding. (laughs) (laughs) 
Eckerson grabs Double D and yells at him about where Baxter is. He says he doesn't know. Benson says, wrong answer, try again. And Double D says, make me bitch. And Eckerson fucking backhands him. Yeah. Like the whole noise and everything. And Benny just (laughs) stands there like within face distance from both of them, does not flinch. Yeah. Double D wipes the blood from his mouth and says he doesn't fucking know. On his mama's life, he said. Benson throws him a coat and says, your mama's dead, moron. Let's go. And I was like, Jesus Christ. Fucking A. Eckerson's talking to Double D about how he's going to go back to prison and how pissed the guards are because he fucking assaulted that one guard to escape and stole the uniform. Mm -hmm. Double D's like, he was in on it. In the precinct, Toots tells the gang that Double D was telling the truth. Edwards, the guard... Mm-hmm. that they attacked was in on the escape and he's dirty as fuck. Munch chimes in and says that he found out that 15K of money orders were sent to Edwards, the fucking guard that led back to fucking Sheila Baxter. Oh shit. Toot says he got them sweet, sweet luds and turns out Baxter calls his mom every fucking day. That bitch lied. That lying bitch. Also, I would probably also lie for my kid if I thought that they were innocent about something and they were contacting me. <laughs> Right. Now, in an interrogation room, Sheila is being questioned by Eckerson and Benson. She says that she just wanted to see her son before she died. Benson's like, duh, go visit him in jail, you stupid bitch. (laughs) She says Baxter didn't want her to see him, quote, caged like a criminal. Uh. Eckerson says, he fucking is the criminal, dude. He raped an 11-year-old kid. Sheila says that Baxter swears he's innocent and she fucking believes him. Of course. Okay. Okay. So Sheila gave Baxter Lee's address when he wanted to write him a letter, but only to find out who really hurt Lee. When we're like eye rolling. He just wanted to talk to him. That's it. Oh my God. Benson tells Sheila that Baxter used her and only wanted Lee's address to kidnap him. She swears Baxter only wants to talk to Lee and would never hurt him. But like he's already splattered Lee's blood in the parking garage. <laughs> But she's in such denial and says that it was probably an accident, of course. Mm -hmm. Sheila says Baxter has a lawyer now, Isaac Sage of the Innocence Project, who believes him and just needs more evidence. This is where I call it. So calling it now, oh my God, it wasn't Baxter. It was Lee's mom's nephew who convinced Lee it was Baxter. Ooh, uh, I didn't have that in my mind. Not until much later, but I was like, because you know he's like fucking dangling around for a reason. Right. Yeah, definitely. Because she was like, you can see anything in front of my nephew jeremy and you're like what what is that for he did it now we, we, we know he did it because you did that because he's there <laughs> eckerson accuses her of helping her son break out of jail so he could help his lawyer find evidence to overturn the conviction and she's like yeah duh, i'm a good mom <laughs> then says she has nothing to say so either lock her up or let her go to her chemo appointment on the other side of the glass in craigan's weekly precinct farmer's market where he hand raises the freshest of blueberries and loveliest bundles of basil sage and rosemary oh. <laughs> Oh my god, he's wearing overalls! I know, he's got gloves on too, they're a little dirty. He's unloading a pickup truck that has wooden panels on the sides instead of a truck bed. Mm-hmm. Ah! Mm-hmm. Oh my god, <sighs> it's all he's ever wanted. What a peaceful existence. I know. Kragen tells Munch that Sheila can go get her chemo, but somebody has to escort her to the appointment and then right back to the station. Wong is there, thank God, for five seconds and then we never see him again. He doesn't think she's going to admit anything. She's a sick old woman and she knows her son is guilty, but clings to thinking he is innocent so she can justify helping him escape. Kragen says they need to get her to talk before Baxter kills Lee. Wong says that Sheila talks so highly of that lawyer from the Innocence Project that she thinks of him as her last salvation. Maybe she confided in him about a plan to help Baxter or escape? They gotta go talk to him. Kragen tells Munch to go find Baxter's lawyer, Isaac Sage, and ask if he knew that Sheila was planning a, quote, family reunion. I typoed here, or I was in a mood because I wrote, Munchie heads over to Isaac Sage's office. <laughs> Little Munchie Moo. <laughs> this guy, Isaac Sage, looks like if Al Pacino didn't get that role in The Godfather, so he sold insurance instead. Oh my God. Good. That's a good. Yep, that's good. Thank you. Thank you. Sage tells Munch, if I had known about the escape, I would have reported it. Now he's just Al Pacino. He's just my terrible impression of Al Pacino. Sage says that he sent Baxter a letter months ago detailing that the DNA from a rape kit that belonged to him, the testimony from Lee... And the investigation were what put him away. Also, that the trial was properly conducted. So the Innocent Project couldn't help him. Baxter Mm -hmm. had run out of options. Mm. 
At the Garden State Memorial Hospital in Plainfield, New Jersey, Sheila's getting her chemo. Sage goes to meet with her, and Benson and Eckerson are there too. <laughs> what? It's <laughs> just like you like had to throw in the you're like Plainfield, New Jersey. She's going to get her chemo. And you're like, jeez. <laughs> this is Eckerson's hair at this fucking point. He is the ancient aliens guy. He, he is. <laughs> I was. I said to, that. I said that way earlier when you. I didn't hear. I didn't hear you. Oh. my god! Yeah, he's that guy. I was gonna come up with a thing too, but that's the best one. So I'm just gonna keep going. Yes. She. <laughs> Sheila wants Sage to tell the detectives that Baxter's innocent. Sage tells her that he's got no doubt that Baxter's fucking guilty, and Sheila's like, "What? Mm-hmm. What? Baxter told me you believed him." Then he begs Sheila to help them save Lee. Come on. Sheila says that she doesn't know where Baxter and Lee are. But Benny knows that's a fucking lie, though. She knows Sheila's going to see her son one last time before she dies. How many times mm-hmm. are we going to say that? One last time before she dies. It's just like, we get it. She's got to see him one last time before she dies. Every single person who's had a line in this episode has mentioned it. Right. The fucking guy that changed the trash in the background of the precinct was like, you guys know she's going to have to see him one last time before she dies. <laughs> it's his only IMDb credit, that one line. So Benson's <laughs> trying to reason with Sheila. She's like, if you help us, we'll try to bring Baxter in safely. And the marshals that are tracking him down aren't going to be so nice. They'll fucking kill him, lady. And you won't see him one last time before you die. <laughs> yeah, that was all she needed to hear. Yeah, she hates it, but she tells them that Baxter is at the Jersey Shore and he was supposed to call in his jeans (laughs) (laughs) and he was supposed to call when he got a motel room in Cape May. Mm. Cool. Boom. We're out of here. They fucking pie face her and they take off. They're like, thank you. Finally, (laughs) you stupid bitch. I hope you don't get to see your son before you die. (laughs) That one last time. Benny's going to let Toots know to meet him, and Eckerson's going to notify the Jersey State troopers. Boop, 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 boop. Mm-hmm. They're narrowing shit down. Benson's checking motels with this local cop, and they go in and talk to a front desk lady that doesn't give a shit who they are or what they want. She's just cleaning up her nail edge. She's like, I, I haven't seen him. Classic SVU. Mm-hmm. They're like, look at the picture, you stupid bitch. <laughs> yeah. Benny goes, listen, bitch, peep the mug shot. And the lady goes, ooh, wait a minute. I know him. He makes an ugly woman. Better wigs would help. You know what, lady? Your approval is neither desired nor required. Mm-hmm. But yeah, also, better wigs would help. Fucking Eckerson's like, I got plenty of better wigs. No, you don't. <laughs> your wigs are terrible. You and your fucking pussycat wigs. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> So the lady's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about. Here's the room number. Immediately back to filing her nails. Mm-hmm. Benson goes to the room alone. The door is cracked. Lee is tied up on the floor between the beds. Looks like Baxter had just left. She really fucking rips this duct tape off of his face. <laughs> Do you see how she kicked that bathroom door, too? That was hilarious. <laughs> no. She's like... I don't know. It was funny. Benson takes Lee out of the room and Benny makes a classic no hire goodbye call to Eckerson to tell him she's got Lee, but no Baxter. As they get to the stairs, Baxter pops out and pulls a gun on her. Mm -hmm. Give me the gun or you're both dead. And I'm I'm at a fucking 45. Just like boop, 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 boop. Dudes, we are only 19 minis into this episode. What is going to happen? There's going to be a crazy twist. Oh, and there and there is. We find out that there is. Okay, we're at the motel. Backup is on the scene. Baxter's got Lee and Benson hostage. Toots arrives and Eckerson updates him. Benson went in before backup got there, of course. And Baxter won't let Eckerson talk to her. Toots says Benson is smart and she'll get the fuck out of there and tells Eckerson to chill. A whole dang SWAT team is there. Toots and Eckerson are in the room next door to Benson, Baxter, and Lee. Eckerson puts the scope thingy through the wall mm-hmm. and Toots is like, ooh, it looks like you've done it before. And he's like, yeah. And that was, it was just like a weird scene. I don't know why they <laughs> did that. It was odd to me. SWAT has some fiber optic shit and they get the scope to work so they can see into the room. There's fucking helicopters and dudes running around on the roof with guns and shit. Benson gets a cell phone call from her, quote, partner and tells Baxter they're gonna they're calling to negotiate. Baxter doesn't want to and stomps on her phone and the gang can see it all through the scope. She tells him there's fucking sharpshooters all over the place. He says it's fine because Benson is a marshal and they're not gonna shoot one of their own and she's like, bro, I am not a marshal. I'm mm-hmm. Detective motherfucking Olivia Benson of 
NYPD. She wants to show him her badge, but he tells her to fucking keep her hands where he can see him and says they don't have to work anything out. He's got everything he needs. His old buddy Lee and his gun. And he kind of gets closer to Lee and Lee's like, don't fucking touch me. And Baxter says, or what? What are you going to do? Tell mommy? I bet she freaked out when she heard I escaped. Benson tells Baxter that hurting Lee isn't going to help anything. I'm just like, I am at a 45 right now. I'm loving it. Okay. And she can help him if he trusts her. He says he doesn't want to fucking hurt Lee. He only wants to talk to him. And also he doesn't trust her because duh. That's what he says too. He's like, I don't trust you. Duh. (laughs) And he's like, none of this is about you. She's like, it actually is about me now because I'm fucking here. You're my best fucking chance of walking out of here alive, dude. I thought you were going to say, you're my best fucking friend. (laughs) You're my best friend. Let's walk out here together. (laughs) Baxter tells Benson to fucking leave. He doesn't want her in there anymore. And he like grabs her and kind of throws her towards the door. And he's like, get out. (laughs) She's like, I'm not fucking leaving Lee alone. I'm not going anywhere. Then she says to Baxter, I told your mom that I wasn't going to let anything happen to you. And I'm going to do my best to keep my word. Then she fucking goes back and sits down by Lee again. When his mom is fucking mentioned, Baxter becomes fucking elevated and tells her, keep my mom's name out of your motherfucking mouth. And then he went up on stage and slapped <laughs> her in slapped the face. Chris Rock. Oh, it's uh, like slapped, slapped Chris Rock. <laughs> <laughs> he just keeps telling her to shut up. Eckerson gives the order to shoot, but SWAT dude can't get a clear shot. Craigan tells him not to. He's like, fucking chill, dude. Eckerson really wants to, even though Olivia is in there and Craigan is fucking pissed. They're like, dude, that's my fucking detective. And he's like, it's not your call. And he's like, just let her fucking talk. Mm-hmm. Benson tells Baxter to chill, daddy. <laughs> 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 Benson tells Baxter to chill daddy and don't give his mom any more grief. Baxter says that his mom was the only person who believed that he didn't rape Lee. Then Lee says to Baxter, then why does she keep telling me she's sorry for what you did to me? Ooh, Baxter gets pissed. Lee says everyone fucking knows what you did. Benson's kind of like side-eyeing and like, shut the fuck up, dude. Mm -hmm. Baxter wants to know if Lee told his son Danny. Lee said that Danny didn't even know that he was alive until he called. Danny doesn't know anything. Baxter kind of sits down, but he's still got the gun pointed at Benson and Lee. Cut to the other room. Eckerson says they have a shot, but Toots is like, dude, chill. They're fucking talking. Craigan tells Eckerson to give Benson a fucking chance. I know she's just a woman who thinks with her head, not her pecker, but she can do this. So when Baxter was in prison, Sheila never talked to him about Danny. She told him that she had never seen him, but that wasn't true. Karen had told Sheila that the only way that she could see Danny and be a part of his life is if she didn't talk to Baxter about Danny. So Benson's telling him all this. Baxter doesn't believe Benson. Then Lee says that Sheila knew Baxter was guilty and didn't want him, quote, messing with Danny the way he messed with him. And I'm like, bro, fucking shut up. We're trying to get out of we are all trying to get out of this alive. Every single all one of us. of us. We are shoulder to shoulder sardines in this fucking room and we need to get mm-hmm. out of here safely together. Mm-hmm. It's getting hot. Everybody's worked up. <laughs> okay. The bathroom's not working. <laughs> Baxter says that his mom would never have helped him escape if she thought he was guilty. Which I was like, yeah, well. Benson tells Baxter that his mom wants to see him before she dies. <laughs> I, I don't want to be laughing at that, but Benson either. tells... Benson tells Baxter that his mom wants to see him one more time before she dies and she can take him to his mom and offers to let Baxter use her as a shield to get out of the hotel room. Yes. Then she's like, you know what? Maybe someone made a mistake in accusing you. Lee was young and traumatized. Lee is not having any of it. And she was saying it in the most obvious, like, come on, buddy, get on board with me. Let's convince this guy. Yeah, she kind of like nods and looks at Lee super hard. Yeah, maybe. And she's like nodding. But what if someone did make a mistake? And she's using her eyes to tell Lee to fucking shut up. And she's trying to like de-escalate this fucking situation. It was the equivalent of when I kicked John under the table and he goes, what? (laughs) When we're talking to somebody else and I'm like, what? Nothing. I didn't say anything. Yeah. What? What? We're, we're, you're kicking me under the table, though. Like, is there something that I shouldn't be saying right now? I'm not even kidding. That's what he'll do. If I fucking <laughs> boop under the table, that is, he will full on have like a, and it's a genuine confused. Yeah, right. Lee is not playing along. He calls fucking Baxter a sick bastard. I'm fucking still like, oh my God, dude, shut up. Lee says that Baxter used his mom, Lee's mom, to get to him. Mm-hmm. And that he only had one thing that he cared about, and that was 
was him. And Baxter says, I fucking loved you like a son and I never hurt you. Then demands to talk to Karen. The hotel phone is dead, but SWAT and shit is going to connect him. Munches with Karen at her house, who is rightfully losing her shit. She's mm-hmm. worried about Lee and is super nervous about staying calm. The call connects. Karen and Baxter talk. Baxter tells Karen he doesn't want to hurt Lee and that he wants to talk to Danny. He's really sad about not being able to know Danny. He didn't even know Danny's name until today. So Danny gets on the phone. He's like, I thought you were dead. Baxter tells him he hopes someday he can try to explain everything to him and that he loves him. Karen takes the phone back. She's a terrible actress, by the way. I don't know why it took me to this point, but she was like, that's enough, Michael. (laughs) I didn't. I was too like wrapped up in the story. I didn't even notice. She's like, that's enough, Michael. Let Lee go. (laughs) I was like, okay. Like, you just brought me down to a two. I just went from fucking midnight to six, bitch. (laughs) So Baxter starts explaining his side of things to Karen. He says he came home from work that night and the police were waiting at the front door. He says he never heard him or even went in his room. Lee fucking chimes in again. He's arguing and he's like, you fucking snuck in my room every night. Benson tells him to shut the fuck up. And Baxter is getting pissed and tells Lee to stop lying. Baxter hands Lee the phone and tells him to tell Karen he didn't touch him. But Lee just throws the phone down on the ground saying that Baxter raped him. It's safe to say that things fucking escalate. Okay. (laughs) Ackerson fucking... During this scene, I'm still not on board with it being anybody else. And I'm just like, Lee is getting gaslit like a motherfucker right now. Mm -hmm. So to ask him to control himself is especially when somebody's been traumatized and whatever else like Benson you right. got to you've got to switch your game here. Yeah. Eckerson fucking tells the sniper green light. Benson tries to take the gun from Baxter. She's like I'm going to I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it. And that causes Baxter to shift his position and a sniper shoots Baxter through the shoulder and chest rather than his head where the fucking sniper was pointing. Mm. Benson gets the gun. I don't think and then I wrote Baxter didn't fucking do this. Uh, now we're at the hospital. I was like I I was in this. Yeah. Okay. Plus there's, we're at minute 29. This is the perfect time for a fucking crazy twist. Right. Okay. Now we're at the hospital. Baxter's heart was grazed by the shot and his condition is a little touch and go. And I'm like, I hope he doesn't die. Benson and Eckerson are outside. I'm totally like, I'm like, Jeremy did this. Jeremy fucking did this. Mm -hmm. Benson and Eckerson are outside Baxter's room having a little fucking moment when his mom is brought in. Sheila is fucking pissed. She looks at Baxter through the fucking glass and she turns around she's like look what you fucking did (sighs) she's fucking pissed she says all these years she had to lie to everyone tell lee she believes him tell danny baxter is dead tell baxter she's never seen danny and she just wants to see her son one last time before (laughs) (laughs) one more time okay she's like you know what i just realized you guys my whole motivation here is to see my son one last time before and they're all mouthing along with her <laughs> they all say it together in unison <laughs> sheila thinks lee is lying she still thinks baxter is innocent she tells benson she told her where baxter was so she could help him not hurt him she fucking saved his life but whatever mm. she thinks that benson thinks lee is lying too this is where I'm like, if Lee is lying, I'm going to be pissed. Like, I was not, I was not there. Yet. I'm going to be, I'm going to be right pissed. <laughs> In the precinct, it's late. Craigan's leaving. Benny's at her desk. Craigan wants her to go home and tells her she needs a few days off. And she goes, oh, you mean to check in with the fucking department a shrink? Like, that's a bad thing. It's like, you you have a very traumatic job. You were just a hostage. Talk to a therapist, please. Yeah. Benson can't get it out of her craw that something's wrong. Baxter could have gotten revenge, but he only wanted to talk to Lee. He didn't want to hurt him. Craigan argues that Baxter was trying to force Lee to recant his statement, which is also a really valid point. Mm-hmm. Benson's like, I don't know what to believe. I was in this room with them and I've got quite a gut Mm. so and he's like speaking of guts you know what would be awesome in there some blueberries (laughs) (laughs) and just pops a couple in her mouth (laughs) bloop 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 (laughs) boops her nose and takes off (laughs) he's got a fucking burlap sack full of carrots over his shoulder (laughs) so she can't get past this she's like there's something there's something off about it there's something off and Craigan's like, you know what? Do what we got to do. Believe the DNA from the rape kit. Funny you should bring that up, daddy. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Benny was looking it over. The crime lab in Virginia that tested the kit is under investigation. And the guy mm-hmm. that runs it was indicted for lying about his qualifications and was the one who handled Baxter's case. Mm. Cragen argues that it doesn't mean evidence was fabricated, which is true. But now I'm jumping back to schlubby Pacino and that would mean that he may have not gotten a fair trial and the Innocence Project could be working with him. So those two things Mm -hmm. do not, you know, really match up. I mean, if he was just going over the case, it would match up. You know what I mean? It It would be like, okay, they sent in DNA and it was a match and whatever. But he didn't look into the... I mean, but that's what they do. Oh, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. You know, like they have to find the the difference in the taillights. The smoking gum. That the, the smoking gum needs to be found. Juicy fruit. Benson wants to be sure. Okay. Benson wants to be fucking sure. So Cragen tells her to reach out to Corner Warner to see if she can get the hookup on retesting DNA. But if the DNA doesn't exonerate Baxter, Cragen needs her to fucking chill. Stop it. Yeah. Stop it. Time to see Corner Warner. Boop, 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 boop. Corner Warner says that 10 years ago, DNA testing wasn't as advanced as it is now. You don't say. So back then, the person examining it would eyeball the similarities and determine the match, like, based on what they saw visually. There are so many people who are in prison for things they didn't do. Oh, yeah. Like, right now. Like, Mm -hmm. right now. When Baxter's DNA was tested, it wasn't a blind test, so the person looking at the DNA knew about the case. Mm -hmm. This is me realizing that there might be something to it, and and in my notes I wrote, all of this sounds very not great. (laughs) Oh, God. Corner Warner pulls up the new test. It doesn't match Baxter's DNA, but it's similar to Lee's DNA with the same Y chromosome. This means that Lee and his rapist are related. OMG. Back to the hospital. Benny and Eckerson are now chatting about the new info and they're standing outside of Baxter's room, okay? Eckerson's upset that he ordered a shot that could have killed an innocent man. And Benny's like, OMG, yes, 100%, totally. This is all about you. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) Benny goes on to say that Lee's rapist is related to him, so who does that leave? The only possibility is fucking Jeremy, his cousin. Mm -hmm. Jeremy was visiting the family at the time. He got there the night before the rape, but the detectives didn't seem to think they needed to investigate him. Hmm, That's weird. Now Benny and Eckerson go to visit Jeremy. Jeremy admitted to being at Karen's for two weeks on spring break, but said he left before it happened. Jeremy doesn't want to give them his DNA, and Benson tells him it's for exclusionary purposes to fill in what the Virginia police may have overlooked. And he's like, again, no, I'm not doing that. He gives this big old speech, and he's like, Mm -hmm. you have the man that raped Lee. And Eckerson's like, yeah, standing right in front of me. Jeremy's like, you're wrong. And Eckerson's like, no, I'm not. And Jeremy's like, yeah, you are. And Eckerson's like, "Mm, I don't think so. And Jeremy's like, well, I do. And Eckerson's like, I don't. This goes on for the rest of the episode to be continued. (laughs) (laughs) Jeremy's like, prove it. Eckerson grabs him and reminds us that Stabler's been gone this entire episode. I know. He has the very similar energy to. He like backhanded a guy. Yeah. (laughs) This guy's also in the I roll up my sleeves every chance I get club. Mm -hmm. But Eckerson fucking grabs him. and He's like an innocent man almost because of you and benny's all jesus christy brinkley andy let him go god (laughs) jeremy tells them to get the hell out of there get out of here put your hands on me no you can't have my dna you gotta sift through the trash like Like everybody everybody else else. (laughs) yeah so now we're back at the precinct Eckerson and Benson talk with Novak. They want a warrant to test Jeremy's blood. And she's like, you want me to do it? Um, she thinks Jeremy will counter with the brutality complaint if he gets a warrant for a DNA sample. Eckerson is fucking pissed that Benson told Novak about what happened. She's like, I'm fucking doing my job. And you did this, you stupid fuck. Like, you are doing this. This is because... Novak explains that she's trying to protect them and the investigation and that they need to prove the case without a warrant for Jeremy's DNA now. Like, how are they going to fucking do that? This stupid motherfucker got all fucking Stabler, a.k.a. Hansy on Jeremy, Mm -hmm. and now they have to do more fucking work. Yeah. Eye roll. And nobody's like, you, you're the problem. You and your pecker are the problem. (laughs) But women are overly emotional and shouldn't have high power positions. Right. Yeah. There isn't a fucking stereotype about a chick named Karen punching a hole in a wall. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, she Whatever. just yells at Burger King employees. <laughs> right. 
Benson has Lee in a room and they're talking about the rape. She tells him that the lab made a mistake and that the DNA was retested and that they know that it was Jeremy that raped him. And he's like, he didn't. Jeremy didn't fucking rape me. Benson tells Lee that she gets that he's scared and embarrassed, but he has to tell her what happened. And he just continues saying that Jeremy didn't rape him. And then Benson goes, oh, then it was consensual. And he's like, no. And Benson tells him that his little brother has never met his father and that his mom, Karen, has believed that the man she loved raped Lee. Benson tells Lee to stop lying and to tell her what really happened. Then she says something so fucking cringy. She says, be a man and make things right. And it's really yucky and gross. I hated it. I hated it. I noted that too. It was gross. Yeah. Be a man. So Lee kind of breaks it down and says that him and Jeremy shared a room when Jeremy was in town. Mm -hmm. Jeremy got into his bed and touched him. Things got out of hand. He didn't know what to do when his mom saw his sheets, Mm. which I don't know what that was. He like bleeding. I I think it was ejaculate. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, there was shame involved. Yeah. You know, he was full of shame. And I mean, it's confusing when you're that age and everything. And, and your perpetrator has probably convinced you that's yeah. consensual. How much older was Jeremy than him? He was in college, I think. <gasps> Mm. or high school so he didn't know what to do so he panicked and lied to his mom and said that baxter raped him he didn't think she would call the police uh, because he's 11 Mm -hmm. then he tells benson like please don't fucking tell my mom and she's like uh karen comes into the room she was watching behind the glass and she comes in and she goes what have you done she's well no she's like what have you done Lee says, Why is she fucking Moira? She's just awful. Lee, what have you done? <laughs> Lee says, I'm sorry, it just came out. It was too late to take back. I'm so sorry. Karen tells Lee that Baxter loved Lee like he was his own son. Mm. And then Lee says, He wasn't fucking right for you. We were doing just fine, me and you, before he fucking came along. He felt like Baxter was taking her away from him. Oh my God. When she got pregnant, Lee thought he was going to be left out of her and Baxter's new family. This fucking kid. Twist. Twist. I know. Karen says, Lee, I never meant to hurt you. <laughs> and he says, Mom, this isn't your fault. And she says, Yes, it is. I raised a son with no heart. And cries and leaves uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh. Jeremy is brought into the station by Toots he's like I didn't fucking do anything you guys Toots is like yeah you did Lee confessed to what you fucking did guy Eckerson comes out of the door and Jeremy says that his lawyers are gonna sue him for brutality Eckerson doesn't give a shit he like literally doesn't care mm-hmm. Benson pops Eckerson up fucking pulls his wig over his entire body like a hedgehog and rolls across the room he's like <laughs> goodbye <laughs> It's like a little home in there too. Like there's a little bookcase and a little fireplace going and everything. Oh, so Oh my cozy. God, he just got back from the farmer's market and has like all these really yummy new like potatoes and onions and he's going to make a little <laughs> stew. <laughs> Benson pops up from behind Eckerson and tells Jeremy he's actually low on credibility. Then Lee pops up behind Benson. They're all like... <laughs> in a conga line. Yeah. Jeremy asks him what he told the detectives. Lee says the truth. What you did to me 10 years ago. Jeremy says, you're making it up. You're just confused. Mm. Lee says Jeremy told him to keep it a secret. So he made himself forget and said Baxter did it so many times that he almost believed himself. Mm. Jeremy tries to backtrack and he's like, you know, we're just kids messing around. And Benson says, yeah, with 10 years of somebody else's fucking life. And Toots takes Jeremy off to booking. Later in the precinct, Eckerson updates Benson. He spoke to the Virginia DA. Sheila is getting probation for her involvement. If Baxter recovers, he will be deemed innocent and get time served from the prison break. Oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. Benson says, well, either way, your work is done. Eckerson tells Benson he can stay for a few more days. And Benson's like, "Mm, not really a good idea. And he's like, how about one last drink before I die? He, <laughs> he asks her for one last drink before he leaves and then she tells him things won't work between them she needs stability and he's like i legit want half a beer but that's it like that i that will to try me, to touch your like, boob <laughs> she like won't even give him an inch she's like yeah we we legit just did this intense case together i refuse to eat a handful of peanuts next to you at a bar i don't <laughs> give a shit goodbye <laughs> yeah <laughs> He takes off. Now we're at the hospital. Baxter is awake. Benson comes in for a visit. Baxter tells her that he wishes he had died. He doesn't want to go back to prison. Benson tells him that she knows he didn't rape Lee. It was Jeremy. And he says, you can prove it. And Benson says, I already have. 
You're going to be a free man. Sheila, Karen, and Danny are on their way right now. Karen wants Danny to get to know his father. And oh my God, his face. He just like laid his head back and he was like, oh my God, finally. End of the fucking episode. Toy fucking Yoda. It was so fucking good. To Yotes. Relief. Doing this, Chaser. Hey, hey, hey. So this episode wasn't specifically like you know a handful of them every season are it was not specifically fashioned after anything but they did mention the innocence project and this storyline is not unique so with that on the evening of october 29th 1983 10 year old david leon attended the carnival at southgate shopping center in pima county arizona There he was abducted by a man who threw David into his car and drove to a nearby ravine where he molested him. The man then drove to an empty house where David was held and sodomized multiple times. The entire ordeal lasted for one to two hours. The rapist then took David back to the carnival and told him he would kill him if David ever told anyone. This kid immediately found his mom and told her everything that had happened. She called police and the search began. David told police he was kidnapped by a, quote, black man with a discolored eye. He drove a white mid-sized car with torn upholstery that was covered by a blanket. A couple months later, in the early hours of December 10th, 30-year-old Tucson resident Larry Youngblood was arrested on suspicion of two counts of child molestation and two counts of kidnapping in David's case. Youngblood is a great last name. It is a really great last name, yeah. David had picked him out of a photo lineup. Furthermore, when police went to Youngblood's girlfriend's place, they found a 1964 white Chrysler Imperial inside the upholstery was torn and had been covered with a blanket. Youngblood's defense attorney, Carol Whittles, argued that the boy was mistaken. In his original statement, David had said that his kidnapper had greasy black hair with some gray in it and his right eye was discolored. Youngblood had no gray in his visibly dry hair and the discoloration was in his left eye. To add to that, there were no fibers or fingerprints found in the car to place the boy in the vehicle. Um, Remember, this is pre-DNA and shit. Yeah. Deputy County Attorney Deborah Ward insisted that David had not wavered in the facts throughout the investigation and had ID'd Youngblood immediately even though when he did id him he was like i'm pretty certain it's this guy it could possibly also be this other guy so that kind of was sketch the first trial resulted in a hung jury forcing a second trial so on friday february 8th 1985 nine men and three women deliberated for like an hour less than an hour they found him guilty of kidnapping, sexual assault, and child molestation. He was sentenced to 10 and a half years in prison, but just over a year later, it was overturned in an appeal. So when David had been taken to Keno Community Hospital on the night of the assault, his clothing was preserved by hospital staff, but then not properly stored. So it should have been refrigerated mm. or frozen, but it was just put into an evidence locker. And then it wasn't tested for over a year. There were very specific tests that if they had been done, could have exonerated young blood and mm. this whole thing this is where it just gets so messy the the system is so messy young blood is a name now that's used in litigation because of this was a precedent-setting case so they let him out of prison he's like oh my god thank god i was innocent so that's wild you know when this happens the appeal process doesn't just stop at this point cut to 1988 the appeal gets taken to the u.s supreme court young blood loses this appeal in defense of their decision, U.S. Chief Justice William Rehnquist said, quote, The situation here is no different than a prosecution for drunk driving. The defendant is free to argue that a breathalyzer test may have been exculpatory, but the police did not have a constitutional duty to perform any particular test. It was determined that there was no bad faith on the part of the police, and they considered it ridiculous that a violent offender could get out on a technicality. Quote, Failure to preserve potentially useful evidence does not not constitute a denial of due process of law. Again, like I had said, this was precedent setting. Is this making sense? Yes. Okay. I'm just listening. It's just, it's just a fucked up insane precedent that it was setting. Mm -hmm. It was determined through this shit that a criminal case may go to trial, even if police 
allegedly accidentally lose evidence that could have been used to prove innocence. What? Yeah. So they're like, okay, so they didn't store it properly. Whoopsie daisy. They can't test it the way they could have tested it to prove his innocence. But the argument's kind of like, well, they did the best they could. Okay. It's the long and short of the argument. If they're doing their best, you can't hold it against them. And I get the argument for like, they can't tell the future for like DNA testing and da da da, all this stuff. But there are pro th like, there were protocols that they should have followed so the fact that that mm -hmm. got overturned was weird and you know those were the arguments for it. it it was it got very very messy really that's super weird yeah this goes on there's a whole ass mess for years while the courts figure out what to do to finish his sentence it took until 1993 for the courts to decide he was going back to prison so young blood is told that he's got to go back to prison he's fucking devastated in response to this he said quote i could accept it if i had done it but i'm not the one okay so he was out for years in between yeah. but they were like your sentence has a hold on it so you're gonna go back and serve the rest of your time that you haven't served yet 1993 goes back to prison finishes his sentence he gets released in 1998 but the revolving door was fucking ready for him in 1999 when he failed to register his new address in the sex offender registry oh. okay the new arrest came at a time that dna was making huge leaps 1999 in 2000 in 2000, by the request of Youngblood's attorneys with the Council of the Innocence Project, the itty-bitty tiny amount of unspoiled DNA from the 1983 crime was tested using the newest, most sophisticated DNA technology. Guess mm -hmm. what? The DNA belonged to not Larry Youngblood, but to Walter Kelvin Cruz, a black man with a bad left eye and two prior convictions for sexual abuse of children. Oh. They found him serving time in Texas for a cocaine conviction. Oh my God. So Youngblood's back in prison for this not registering fuck up. In August of 2002, Youngblood gets released from prison and Cruz was sentenced to 24 years for the sexual assault of David Leon. Oh, so Larry Youngblood signed a release prior to the DNA testing. It was part of the agreement to do the DNA testing at all. Mm -hmm. He waived his right to any and all compensation for the 15 years of his life that were completely fucking destroyed. Nine of them spent in prison and the rest in total limbo. Right. And the argument there was that the prosecution did their best with what was available at the time and a jury of his peers convicted him. So, oh. sorry. Bye. That's crazy. Come on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's fucking crazy. Crazy. And I don't want to leave the original victim out of this. I did a little bit of reading about it and it just came to mind right now. David, the victim of the crime, not committed by Larry, but by Walter Calvin Cruz, his life ended tragically. He spiraled into addiction. Mm. I think it was after Larry was released or there, there was it was right around that time he died by getting hit by a train. Mm. His toxicology report wasn't great. Mm. You know, this stuff fucked with him his entire life. Did he ever end up finding out that it wasn't... That it wasn't Larry? Oh, yeah. And I don't think it helped his mental state regarding, you know, not only what had happened to him, but then as a result, what happened to this innocent man for 15 years. Yeah. David was carrying so, so much, more than we could ever imagine. Right. Oof. Did Larry still get in trouble for the not registering thing, even though he wasn't actually guilty? So the arrest for not registering is what was the thing that made his lawyer go... You you know what? Let's test this DNA and got that ball rolling. Otherwise, he would have just been a registered sex offender, you know, under the thumb of a PO and being watched and stuff, whatever, for I don't know how long his probation would have been or what all the details of that are. But it was because he was arrested that he was able to be exonerated. Oh, okay. So he was released in 2002. So he did spend, I mean, they released him as soon as, you know, probably paperwork and shit went through. Yeah. Whoops, sorry. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Have a good life. Who knows where your life would have been, but you were in the prison system working for pennies. So, mm -hmm. and then he spent the rest of his life panhandling without a home, and he died of a drug overdose in 2007. Oh, Jesus Christ. And we'll never know the level of contribution through all of that. It definitely didn't not affect the way he spent the end of his life. Mm -hmm. So, that's it that's it 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 next week we're taking just a mini itty bitty spring break don't be mad don't worry about it we're off next week but the following week we are bringing back the boop 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 intermission 
And we have an amazing fucking guest, you guys. We are so excited to share her with you. Oh my gosh, she's amazing. Absolutely fucking, yeah. yes. Incredible woman. We're covering the Golden State Killer and interviewing survivor, activist, incredible, amazing woman, Chris Pedretti. Mm, yep. All right, guys, rate and review us. It really helps people find the pod. Pop on a little review. Five stars if you got them. Rare, <laughs> <laughs> Email us at svupod at gmail.com. If you want to send us anything, send it to P.O. Box 176 DeForest, Wisconsin 53532. Check out our Instagram at svupod. Get merch and more at svupod.com. Join the Facebook group, SVUPod Elite Squad. We have an adorbs little friendshipy chat room called Walk and Talk. Mm-hmm. Come in there. Join us. Hashtag little bit loud for indie pods and join our Patreon. Yeah, we got tons of fucking extra content. Like Come a lot. Come there. Be a, be a patron. We got extra stuff. Stupid stuff. Great stuff. Whatever stuff. And when we take little breaks like we're doing, there's not a whole lot of breaking going on on the Patreon, if you know what I mean. I don't know what I mean. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Just like when we take bigger breaks, we do we, we, have we put more. a bunch of extra stuff. Yeah. yeah. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Eckerson but- was like, it was him in a wig or whatever. He stole my wig. <laughs> He's in disguise. <laughs> Anyways, he says, <laughs> sorry. Just I couldn't like remember it in the moment. He's desperately like, it's like that movie with the bus. And she's like, speed? He's like, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, he says, sorry. Just I couldn't like remember it in the moment. He's desperately like, it's like that movie with the bus. And she's like, speed? He's like, yeah. <laughs> And to our Elite Squad patrons, Sonia W, Marissa M, Elki H, Annie G, Mary D, Andrew, Rebecca D, Miranda B, Shelby W, Lex, Emily T, Kayla W, Mallory G, Bonita R, Marin, Vanessa, Amy P, Melanie G, Courtney W, Ursula S, Kate H, Uyana, Kayla J, Catherine M, Kate P, Jessica S, Nicole M, Acacia V, Katarina G, Danielle W, Kelsey D, Jana M, Joshua H, Tammy J, Bear, Crystal, Lucy M, Trisha S, Sam D, Mac Attack. <laughs> I went, I went that really hard. <laughs> went so hard. <laughs> uh, Casey W. Abby W, Alexis J, Lauren T, Kaylin B, Camille Z, Nisha G, Maggie D, K Allen, Katie M, Eliza W, Crystal B, Jessica P, Zan and J, Nada M, Sin, Christina D, Madison H, Emily, Oklahoma, where the wind <laughs> comes sweeping down the plane. <laughs> Victoria B, Scout G, Melissa M, Desiree D, Drew B, Quentin S, Amberly C, Louise M, Sapphire, yeah. Monica K, Katie S, Trish S, Angela D, Brenna T, Andrea M, and Natasha S. We love you and appreciate Thanks, you. Thanks, you guys. Thanks for making this all possible. All of this. All of it. Everything. <laughs> We wouldn't even be friends anymore. Why are my feet sweaty right now? <laughs> <laughs>